Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Perhaps I can give you an idea that you could actually use. I think parties are the most fun when you can shed your everyday mundane identity and come with someone else. Back in college, I held a party where everyone came as their favorite Elizabethan poet. I remember... <laughs> so great. I chose Christopher Marlowe because I was deeply into Dr. Faustus at the time. <laughs> but I still get letters from people who loved it, Norman. Loved it. Say, didn't we uh, used to have a weekly Elizabethan poet night? <laughs> yeah, start getting too rowdy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember the night you were charged with uh, practicing iambic pentameter without a license. <laughs> You know, Sam, if I'm to serve both as a waitress and the butt of jokes, I think I should make more money. Yeah, what does a good butt make in this town? <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You want to be where you can see Our troubles are all the same You want to be where everybody knows your name Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and I am thrilled to be joined once again by the host of the movie review show, Is It Jaws? Please welcome back Mr. Paul Spataro. What's up, Paul? Not too much. Thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming back. And if you want, we can pretend like we're not recording these episodes back to back and that a certain number of weeks has passed. And what's, what's... It's, That two weeks went so fast. <laughs> really, really, yeah. Or actually four weeks, right? Because you're yeah. doing every other week? Yeah, yeah. So, boy, how about that thing in Washington? That's crazy. <laughs> Boy, who would have thought we'd see all these political stuff on Facebook? So we, 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 there's certainly comments we could say, make and know they'll be true when this airs. <laughs> Paul is back to talk about the seventh episode of the season titled Friends, Romans, and Accountants. This episode is written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs. It was directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, November 11th, 1982. When Norm is tasked with throwing the company party for his accounting firm, H.W. Sawyer & Associates, he goes to Cheers looking for help. After all of her genuine ideas are shot down, Diane suggests, more or less as a joke, that Norm host a Roman toga party for his coworkers. Norm loves the idea, and Sam agrees to host the party at Cheers. On the night of the party, however, Norm is the only one to show up wearing a toga. The party looks like it's going to be a bust, and worst of all, Norm doesn't have a woman to help entertain his boss. Sam encourages Diane to do Norm a solid and pretend to be Mr. Sawyer's date, until they actually see how young and attractive Sawyer is, and then Sam grows cautious. 
His concerns are justified when Sawyer makes a move on Diane in the pool room. She resists, but Sawyer doesn't stop kissing and fondling her, not until Norm catches them and forcibly throws Sawyer off of Diane. Sawyer fires Norm on the spot and storms off. Sam consoles Diane, while Norm goes back to the bar to drink. Then, his former co-workers show signs of life for the first time in the evening, lifting Norm onto their shoulders and carrying him around the room like a champion Roman emperor. And that was Friends, Romans, and Accountants. Uh, Paul, I'll actually lead this one off. Um, I've seen this episode a ton of times, um, and... The experience of watching this in the 80s or the 90s or even two years ago was very different than the experience of watching it yesterday. And it's just because of the Me Too movement, essentially, and and what we know and, and the stories that we've heard about people like Harvey Weinstein and these powerful men in Hollywood and Washington and Silicon Valley and, and corporate America and... If you had asked me to describe how Sawyer treats Diane in the pool room scene, again, a year ago, two years ago, um, I would have said it's highly inappropriate, um, that he's aggressive, that he gets a little handsy, um, and, and maybe that's it. And But watching it this time, no. If Norm didn't come back there, he would have tried to rape her. It's it it got it, like I can't help what like it's a it's a silly sitcom with it's so lighthearted but I was like in a new kind of modern context that's a very dark moment um, because Sawyer knows none of the other people at that firm are going to go back to the pool room they leave when he walks in there even though it's a public place he feels perfectly safe there so if she didn't scream loud enough to get Sam to come down the hall like she was in real danger back there until Norm shows up. And it's it's just a weird, icky twinge to put on this episode. That's <laughs> that's kind of weird. Like, am I wrong? Is that how you took this one? Yeah, you're you're uh, you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I I think that the level of understanding has just increased to a great extent in the last year and a half or so. And I don't think that you or I. I think we're both fairly intelligent, just, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I think, you know, we understand what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And there's no question we would not have thought that was okay. But on the other hand, we would have seen it as more of a just, a, oh, the you know, the, they're stretching reality for the purposes of a sitcom. And, mm-hmm. you know, because I think even in reality, even the way this ended, there's there would be the chance that she was going to press some sort of charges against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this wasn't this wasn't necessarily okay. Norm pulled him off and got fired, and now it's all over. I, I think this this could have gone a lot further uh, in reality if we wanted to take it as a, as an actual event. Yeah, but I think you know, I think we we understand that there is no oh, I was only joking. That doesn't exist anymore. And at one time, I think, you know, there was a little bit of a thought process of, oh, you know, it's harmless. They're not really, you know, he wasn't going to really rape her. But mm-hmm. you know what? The way they show it, yeah, he was. He was putting her on the pool table. He was lifting her up, like, between her legs. It was, it, it yeah, it, it got to that point, yeah. And and again, I think, like, yeah, your, your instinct is like, well, he, yeah, he's in a public place. It's not like he's got her, like, alone in a home or apartment or something. But, like, they make the point of when he goes back there, everybody else leaves. Like, he felt pretty confident there. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, again, I think the the realization of what that really meant was watered down Mm -hmm. because it was something, I don't know about in real life, but on on shows, 
they would do that. You know, they, you'd, you'd see that kind of behavior more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they'd call the guy a masher or something. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, you, the woman would hit him in the head with an umbrella and then he'd turn around and leave. Like that was, that was all it took. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but that's not reality. So, so you know, if, if you look at this with a serious eye, it's very difficult to watch and to accept that this is just a sitcom. So I think, you know, almost by definition, you have to say, okay, it was presented in a different time. Attitudes were different. And yes, that behavior is not acceptable. But let me kind of look at this sitcom for what it is and, you know, in, in the era it was presented. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of what you have to do, not just to sort of get past the moment, but to, like, excuse some of the other things. Because there's, like... And, like, even after it's over, when Sam and Diane are, are alone there and everything, like, it treads fairly close to sort of victim-blaming, with, with Diane feeling, Sam says, cheap, and, like, kind of, like, he, he doesn't quite get to that I told you so point, but it's close, and, and she's feeling very, like, she brought this on, like, she could have stopped this and everything like that, and, and it's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, and, like, even, like, when, when Norm goes back there, and he's like, whoa, whoa, sorry, I bumped into your moment. And he's like, get lost, Norm. And he's like, yes, sir. And he turns around like that. That's played for comedy. And she's like, Norm, please. And he's like, he'll stop in a minute, Diane. Like, like what you would say to like a dog humping your leg or something like that. And it really has to like, we have to like, up the stakes before Norm is like grabs him and like throws him off. But it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, this is just, it's, it's an uncomfortable to look at that in a modern lens. So you do in order to get through it, you just have to kind of put, the sort of blinders of time back on and just say, yep, this was like 35 years ago. And, and to take it from that perspective, if you, if you were able to do that, and I I know there's some people who are so sensitive to this that they can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm sensitive enough to their perceptions that I say, absolutely. Then don't, you know, (laughs) don't, 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 (laughs) don't view it as comedy in any way, shape or form. And do not watch this episode anymore Mm -hmm. because, you know, if it's if it's upsetting to you, you know, who wants that from a sitcom? Uh, I would say don't turn off the show because of it, because you really, I at least to my memory, you're not going to see much more like this in the next, uh, you know, whatever ten years that we're going to get here. So I, I, I would, you know, I would defend the show on that perspective that this isn't, you know, this isn't like every week you're going to see this. You know, we we talked about last time I was on uh, about there is an element of Sam's womanizing and everything, but uh, as a general rule. Sam's womanizing is always with a willing partner. You're right. You know, he's, he's not Bill Cosby drunk, uh, drugging. <laughs> he's not saying, do this with me or you're fired. Uh, and, and when he does put the moves on somebody, if they reject him, he does back off. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's, I think we're okay with all of that. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I, really want to spend more time on the, the final scene. Like, think about it. I think we've, we've said as much and anything more is going to get into more kind of gender politics talk, which I'd, I'd rather leave off of for the purposes of this podcast and what we're yeah. trying to celebrate here. Well, let's let's try and take it a little bit more into the comedy aspect of there it. I go. do love the way Norm can, uh, you know, aggressively go after his boss and get rough with him and grovel at the same <laughs> yeah, time. he does. He does. He's like, that's a wonderful cologne, sir. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, you know Norm, Norm's groveling throughout the episode is borderline silly right uh actually it's not borderline it's silly it's just silly uh but it's amusing in its own way it's it's just you know everything the guy does oh yes sir whatever you know like he's <laughs> he's just willing to say whatever he thinks the guy wants to hear to try and get ahead and and that's all you know kind of amusing as it's presented uh 
I love Norm's dilemma in this episode that, you know, the, first of all, he, he sees right off the bat that he's screwed because he was asked to set this up. Mm-hmm. That he, you know, he, he sees the inevitability of the failure that he's going to have. And it, it's, it's, you know, compared to the guy who the year before set up a Hawaiian luau and now is his boss. Right, right. Not the boss, I, I assume not the boss who does this in the episode. No, but, it's uh, another guy named Jenkins that he points out at one point, but yeah, yeah. You, you could see right from the start, he knows the futility of everything he's doing here. And it all just plays out that way. It's like everything that can go wrong does. <laughs> but, but but he also gives it a half-assed effort. He takes Diane's idea, which she, she is presenting as a joke almost when she says it, and he embraces it. Then he hires a band who he hears over the phone. <laughs> and and the band, I think, is worth mentioning, too, because they're very funny. Right. Yeah, the Just, the leader of the band, um, who strangely like they, the band introduces themselves as Eddie Barnett and the Barnetters, but the band leader is listed. His character is listed in the credits as Fred Wilson. I have no idea why that is. If they were supposed to have a bigger part, or if that was just a mistake or something. Um, but the actor who plays the the band leader is Kenneth Kimmins, who appeared on the show Coach for the longest time, and then he was also on about fifteen episodes of Lois and Clark. You know, you got that. You have all Norm's coworkers that <laughs> reject his idea, and and they show up. You know, they don't show up in togas. They show up in suits, and and then they, you know, it's impossible to have more dull people because <laughs> they're not even speaking to each other. They're just all you know milling about the bar. Well, when, it's not it's not my favorite line, but it's like my second favorite line in the episode. So I'll mention it now. Is when like Norm first shows up and he's in the toga and nobody is dancing, nobody's moving, everybody. And he's just kind of like walking around feeling stupid, and he tells. It's like, Sammy, you got someone lying in state in the back room? Because <laughs> it does have this feeling. And I love the fact that, like, as Norm is pitching this idea to Sam, he's like, would you host it? Like, Sam knows this is going to be a loss for his bar. Like, he, like the way he's, like, describing these people. He's like, I'm not going to make as much money hosting this party, like, having this party at my bar as I would on a normal business night. But he does it because he's a friend of, uh, friend of Norm's. He likes Norm, so he's doing him this solid. And it's almost, like, comical the way they're looking around. Like, Carla, the waitress, is just sitting at a table, like, bored out of her mind because they have nothing yeah. to do. Because nobody's ordering drinks, nobody's dancing. And, and, like, Sam is almost laughing at it. He's like, no one's moved in an hour. Which which goes to just the, you know, the stereotypical comic version of, you know, accountants. Mm. You know, and uh, I guess it's not fair. Any accountants who listen to us, I apologize because I'm sure you're not like that. But it is the stereotype. Trust me, I'm a lawyer. I deal with a lot of stereotyping. <laughs> like I, again, like this is from like the different era in my age group. But like, Coach's fascination with Julia Slarosa. I was trying to. I was like, I was like who? Where was Julia Slarosa in 1982? Like, why was that so on his mind? Why was that so prevalent? Because, uh, yeah, he comes back to it like three or four times. He keeps mentioning like any kind of like, guess who did this or what? Like when Diane is playing the charades game with my dinner with Andre and coach is guessing my dinner with Julius the Rosa. It's like that's not even the right number of words. <laughs> so. yeah, I mean, coach, coach early on was a kind of an unsung MVP on this show. But, mm-hmm. you know, you could say that about all of them. I, I, yeah. I, I hate to just become too repetitive because mm-hmm. it does – happen you know every every one of them has their moments to shine and you know we talked about how the sam and diane episodes are are generally the superior ones because the writing staff seemed to have a better handle on them right off the bat whereas the other characters still had to be developed a little bit yeah but but as bit players in an ensemble 
they all are outstanding. Mm-hmm. And Sam and Diane do a great job in this one, kind of like lifting some of it. Like even I, I love the fact that Sam is trying to like get her, you know, just do do the guy a favor because this is what Sam is doing. He's doing a favor for Norm, even though this is going to be a colossal failure. Um, and he's encouraging her. And then as soon as he sees what type of guy Herb Sawyer is, just like first his appearance, he kind of turns. It, it, it seems at least that he's jealous of Diane's interest in him, and and maybe he thinks he's being protective, but she's reading it a different way, and it kind of turns into a biting thing when when she starts flirting with Sawyer and she's ordering them drinks, and Sam brings them over. He's like, one for the gentleman, and one for his lady of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and he he encourages her to do it because he assumes the boss is going to be like right. a seventy year old man. Exactly. Yeah. You and and when he shows up and he's whatever thirty five. Right. Uh, you know, all of a sudden it's like, uh oh. <laughs> That's that's not what I wanted because we've already developed the attraction between Sam and Diane. While they don't have the relationship together, they do have the attraction to each other. And, you know, you want a chance, you know, if you're putting yourself in Sam's shoes, you want a chance to see if that relationship is going to ferment and become something before she finds someone else. Right, right. Speaking of uh, the boss, Herb Sawyer, played by the actor James Reed, uh, this show is his first credit on IMDb, this episode of Cheers. Later on, just for Rob Kelly, he did appear on an episode of Trapper John, M.D. Um, he also then appeared on Lois and Clark, playing Jimmy Olsen's dad, of all characters. Um, hmm. And then he also appeared on an episode of Star Trek Voyager, did a lot of TV work throughout his career. Uh, other little notes, Carla describes herself as a fast breeder, uh, and that joke is repeated when Sawyer actually says hello to her, just kind of in passing on his way to the pool room. And she's like, whoa, I think I just felt a baby kick or something like that. <laughs> this this element of Carla's character will come up again and again and again and again. As at this point in the character's life, she only has four kids. That will not be her status quo as things move forward. Actually, not even close. <laughs> nope, nope. I, you know, I, I, I liked when the band played the limbo and Norm <laughs> tried to do it. You know, he, he was like, you know, let me lead the way. Let me get the whole crowd into it. And, you know, no, no success whatsoever. <laughs> the band, speaking of that, when they do do the limbo, there's like this weird little discordant moment when the phone rings and Sam kind of shouts, hey, everybody, keep it down, which is the joke that they're not causing a seat or like a ruckus of any kind they're already really quiet but as soon as he picks up the phone that's when the band kind of kicks in and the music jumps up as they like announce the limbo so it's just it's this weird moment when the room has been mostly quiet it's when sam says keep it down and he answers the phone that the sound actually the audio picks up in the room for a little bit i just thought that was kind of a weird little note in the in the show and maybe maybe a little bit of timing was was off in in how they like wrote or directed that scene but and you also, you know, that's kind of a repeating joke about the keep it down, because then when uh, the boss takes Diane into the back, he's like, you know, I, I normally I'd ask you to go somewhere quieter with me, but I don't think we could find any place quieter than this. Yeah, that's good, good. That was almost my favorite line of the episode. That was also on my, like, runner-up list. I like that moment. But beyond that, I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot of notes for this one. Um, it's The episode is fine. It's it's not like a stellar or standout one, but as I keep coming, like the worst episodes of the show, and it, just saying one of the worst episodes of the show sounds like I'm I'm really criticizing it, and I don't mean to be that harsh on this because I enjoy watching this one. But yeah, no, it's it's still a fairly entertaining yeah, show. Yeah, it's, it is. It's it's not one of the you know if you're making the list of the ones you know these are the ones you got to see. This isn't on that list. Right. But that doesn't mean again you know we talked about earlier. I don't think there are any episodes of the show where I would say oh that's a bad episode. Right. Right. 
So, you know, and, and just, uh, I'm just looking at my notes. So, you know, one other thing, I, I liked the aspect of the way they carried Norm out on their shoulders afterwards. Yeah. Uh, you know, because of the way he treated the boss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's out of a job, but they allowed him to not hit rock bottom right, as far as right. I was concerned in the way he's presented in this episode. You know, Norm, Norm is a lovable character. He's always presented that way and he's always going to be presented that way. So you never want to present him as the total loser. Mm-hmm. So by having the co-workers actually lift him up on their shoulders afterwards, I think, you know, you're getting that message across. Right. And I don't imagine this was scripted, but I, I, I don't know how much of this was improv, but when they do lift him up on their shoulders, when they pick him up, the band kicks up, the music kicks up, and everybody's like kind of cheering and celebrating. If you look at George Wentz's face, he mouths the words, what the F? And he says the F word, word mouth it. Now, obviously, there's no, there's no audio of that because it's all drowned out by the other sounds in the room, but he did, like, you can watch his face and he, he mouths those words uh, in looking towards Sammy. So it's like, this moment, like it, w- they wouldn't have improved that on the stage because, like, you need, like, all you have to make sure that all of those extras and all those actors can lift him up and carry them without getting hurt. Otherwise, you've got insurance problems. So that had to be part of the script that they carry him out that way. But like, so it must have just been his his choice to react that way. So surprised, but he mouths, "What the f?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah just, just go with it." They left that part in. So. Yeah, I got to, th- I got to think that that was not. I don't think anybody told him to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it comes down to. Probably not. Um, finally, just before we go to our uh, other categories, uh, for Norm's tab, boy, this was a, this was a big episode for him because I got him drinking at least six different beers at different times throughout this episode. So really, really uh, adding to his his overall tab. Um, did you have any other notes for this one before? Well, the the other only other note I had was about the. Uh, the cold opener on it with Misha, the symbol player for yep. the, I guess, the Boston Philharmonic. Uh, and he, he's the symbol player. So I guess <laughs> there's there's long breaks in between his actual activity. So yeah. he came over for a beer in between. So when you cut to him, he's just drumming his finger on the, uh, on the time, bar yeah. in time. <laughs> and you could see in his head he's counting it off. And he orders a beer. And then pays for it and diane counts out his change and throws off his count and he's got to run out then because he doesn't know you know he lost count and he's got to get back before his next symbol smash yeah. uh and I, I just thought that was really a good cold opener on it yeah and, uh, was... i think it's worth worthy of mention right it's very good and it's it, this weird bit of kind of like character and world building the fact that, you know like diane this you know very educated and worldly person she's impressed that uh you know a, a part of a member of the boston philharmonic goes in but the fact that Saint knows him and like this is a regular like he comes in from yeah. time to time and knows him by name and everything and kind of knows the routine like he doesn't have to have this explained to him it's kind of like a nice little beat for kind of the the world of the bar and how long how lived in it feels it just adds to that sense and the actor who plays Misha is Peter Van Norden. I don't know what else he's been in but I know I've seen him before he's yeah, I, a very familiar looking guy I love the look of both panic and anger on his face <laughs> yeah. when when Diane does that. He doesn't he doesn't get a line of dialogue, but he has this like this just angered <laughs> frustration kind of like grunt like between his clenched teeth and slams the beer down. But yeah, uh, yeah, that was a really really good moment. Um, well, okay, let us get into our our last categories. Who did you have for this episode as your employee of the week? 
Well, I think uh, to me again, it was a no-brainer. I'm, I'm on Norm this time. Uh, you know, he he carried the most of the comedy in this episode. Uh, plus, he, you know, we had a chance for wh- who was effectively just a bit player up to this time to have his moment in the sun, build his character a little bit. Uh, the fact that he does, because Norm, Norm is not the most physical guy in the world. He sits on a bar stool all day and all night if he can. Uh, but for him to get rough with you know, to protect Diane and everything that's, you know, to me, that's a good moment. And again, the fact that, you know, just his, his comments to his coworkers uh, and his attitude towards them, I think is great. And the fact that he walks off with his, at least with his dignity or he doesn't walk off, he gets carried, carried off. off yeah. that he, he has, you know, he, he's had his dignity torn apart by walking around in a toga the whole episode. <laughs> and, and yet he, you know, he has the dignified ending that the, the coworkers are cheering him. And, you know, he's out of a job, which is a plot line that we're going to, see go on uh but he's none the worse for it except for i guess financially right right yeah i i I definitely i agree with you i think he he it's his hero moment and uh he definitely he carries this episode i think uh, i would have sam as my second place runner because i just think sam is like the solid um just kind of with his his lines and kind of sort of knowing the situation, being able to perceive the situation from start to finish and kind of sort of anticipating where, where all of this is going for Norman and then for Diane, um, just kind of having that, that sort of straight man aspect to it. But yeah, it's a good, it's a good showcase for Norm. Um, so and I, I, I like the fact that Sam, who is, I would say the undisputed star of the show, mm-hmm. his, his role in this episode shows that this really is an ensemble cast, mm-hmm. even though he's the star, because he does take the back seat. He becomes a supporting player in this episode. Right, he's not this, the one who saves Diane. Yeah. If you saw this episode, and this was the only episode you saw, and somebody's describing it to you and tells you this is, the sh- this is a show about the character of Norm, You'd believe he was the star of the show. Yeah. Oh. And I, I like that, that they're able to kind of take the back seat and yet still be funny and have their moments, which to me is pretty much the definition of an ensemble sitcom. Right. Uh, and the other reason I, I, I sort of had Sam in contention was because Sam does deliver my favorite line uh, in the episode for my home run. It's when Norm first come, uh, or when for- Norm first gets the call that uh, the girl that he maybe the escort that he had arranged to entertain Mister Sawyer isn't going to be able to make it. He's like, I need a woman. He's like, and, and Sam is trying to console him. He's like, Well, you know, what about you know maybe you can introduce him to one of the women here, or does your boss like? live things <laughs> it's just like the pause between that because he's just scanning the room of all these all these people not doing it does your boss like live things it's, i just thought i laughed at that one harder than the others so what did you think what was your uh well, home home run my home run once again was diane <laughs> uh and you mentioned it already was when she tried to get the crowd to play uh, charade <laughs> and, and what i like about it is it's a sustained joke it's yes, not it is. just it is. a line it's she's she's got to play it and she's got to carry it and so what am i doing here see my fingers are close together it's a little word <laughs> you know like she, she's talking down to them but trying to get them involved at and the keeps same giving time them the words she, she waits like six seconds <laughs> yeah. and then she gives she's like my my well, dinner, dinner. <laughs> and anytime i mean i i haven't I don't think I've ever played charades, but I've played Pictionary. And every time I do, I kind of think of Diane's presentation of charades. <laughs> I, I, I find that to be very amusing. And much like my previous home run, it's one that's kind of stayed with me over the years. Yeah, yeah, that's good, good. Ah, uh, well, very cool, very cool. I'm, I'm glad we could we could find some light in this episode. So yeah, I, I, I like like we said earlier. I think I think to you know there are enjoyable moments in this. 
And I just think to enjoy it, unfortunately, you have to turn off your sensibilities a little bit. But if you can do that, and if you can accept it for you know a time that's 35 years ago, I think I think it's fine. Yeah. There's not you know there's nothing wrong with it in context or in that context. Right. All right, that'll be the end of it. So uh, for our last call, Paul, once more, where can people find you online? Anybody who's interested in hearing what I do can go to the Two True Freaks Network at twotruefreaks.com. I'm on three shows as a regular. I do Back to the Bins with Bill Robinson and Scott Gardner, where we review old comic books. I do Listen to the Prophets with Bill Robinson and Andrew Leyland, and just recently uh, we've added Dave Weeder to our group. Uh, we review episode by episode of the Star Trek show Deep Space Nine. We're currently into season five, so we're getting through it. Uh, and I am also the host with rotating guest hosts on Is It Yours, a movie review program. All right. Thank you very much. One more time for being on the show with me. Uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in. You can support the show on Facebook and Twitter. And as always, you can leave a comment on the website post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Until next time, we're closed. Okay. Well, go ahead, gloat. Listen, believe it or not, I'm uh, I'm really sorry this happened. I know you must be feeling hurt and angry right now. No, no, I'm not feeling hurt and angry. I brought this on myself. Actually, I'm feeling kind of cheap. <laughs> All right, yes, I feel cheap. I saw an attractive person, a little glamour, and I wanted to meet him so badly that I pushed everything aside and threw myself at him, totally sacrificing my dignity and my pride. What's wrong with that? I do that all the time. <laughs>